that's a, the that's the thing about Shinto is like uh you can't approach it from so I, I I'm gonna I'm here and I need to understand that. Like you need to go there and like start from the roots up. <laughs> Otherwise it's impossible. <laughs> and like kami is one of those words because it's um well according to my knowledge and research uh from other scholars in Japan. That word is like super, super, super old. It predates the Japanese language, probably like like ten thousand years or longer. Imagine yourself under a starry sky, around the warm glow of a sacred fire, where speakers gather to share their wisdom and insights, creating a sacred space where all are welcome to warm their hands. Hear your hosts. Caitlin Stormbreaker, Sarenth Odinson, and Jim Two Snakes discuss spirituality, mythology, animism, and culture around a virtual sacred fire. Welcome. 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 Won't you join us around Grandfather Fire? Hail to the Vatier of Water. The Vatan Vater. Hail to the spirits of the oceans. Hail to the fish and the plankton. Hail to the whales. Hail to all the beautiful creatures, the cephalopods, the crustaceans who live in the depths. Hail to all the blessed ones of the lakes and the streams and the creeks. Hail to to the bloodlines of the Earth Mother, hail to the stretching, ranging waters that quench our thirst and that bring us into community with each other. Hail to the ocean gods, hail to the ancestors of the waters, hail, holy ones, blessed ones, you who runs in our mouths, you who runs our veins, you who connects us over such great distances. In the great hydrologic cycle, we are all connected. We are all family. Thank you, blessed ones, for being with us. May we treat you gently when we honor you well to teach us how to live gently with you. Blessed spirits of the waters, thank you your ever-present connections. That's the while. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 112. I'm your host, Jim Two Snakes, joined, as always, by my good friends and co-hosts, Sarah Thunson and Caitlin Stormbreaker. And how are you both doing tonight? I survived hell! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners outside of Michigan, uh, there's a very, very small town in the lower middle portion of Michigan towards the thumb area called Hell, Michigan. Uh, We had never been there, so we decided to go on a little day trip, and it was really fun. There's a nice little saloon there and an ice cream shop and a mini putt-putt and a place where you can take a lock and write you and your partner's name on it and lock it up and then throw the key in the river is like a symbol of like your undying love for each other. Although I did 
make the joke of like, so we're basically locked together on the fence. <laughs> mm. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, that's also true. <laughs> but yeah, it was Sounds nice. Fun, though. Yeah, the last couple of days I've managed to get him out in nature a little bit. So it's been nice. I also bought some native plants because the metro parks around here, which there are dozens of them, uh, they will do an initiative every spring and every fall to where they will sell uh, native Michigan plants at the park. So you Very go cool. to the park, you get to walk around, and then you can also take some of the nature home with you. So I got to, I got uh, six plants. So I'm really excited about that. That is really awesome. That and don't like ask me trip. which ones. Yeah, don't ask me which ones because I honestly can't remember. <laughs> the, <laughs> the wild onion. Uh, some type of goldenrod and a ground cover, and but the names of them escape me because brain. That's all good. It's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Sarah? How you doing? Uh, this uh, fire bow drill <laughs> shit is kicking my ass. Um, so for our listeners uh, who may not know, one of the things that I, I do light sacred fires with is flint and steel. The fire spirits have been really pushing me since I began doing sacred fires to learn how to do a bow drill method. It is rough. It is so much easier to slap flint and steel together. Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense considering your journey overall with sacred fires and how much energy and effort and, and, and just work you have to put into some of them. I mean, it's gotten less and less over the years, but I remember several years ago, it would be probably pushing an hour before we finally got a sacred fire going. And we're like, Sarah, Sarah, let's just use matches. It's okay. And you're like, no, 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 I got this. I got this. You got to do it like this. Yep. Long, long the, practice. For the next trick, the sun's the, the, uh, Fire spirits demand a Archimedes mirror made out of hand-forged bronze. You shut the fuck up. <laughs> Don't give them ideas. Honestly, like that probably is the next step is like, all right, you've got quartz crystals. Use them now. Yeah. I Arguably, that would probably be easier than the bow method. But you oh, know. yeah, no shit. <laughs> the next are going to be like, now you have to figure out a sacred bick. <laughs> We shall retrieve a burning branch from the lips of this volcano. <laughs> be a hell of a trick. There's no volcanoes around here. Well, you there know. used to be. I know. Used it's to. This is why I like living in Michigan. Um, <laughs> There's a lot but, of used to be's around here. Trust. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I have a deep amount of respect, like, for the process of making fire in any any fashion. But it it really kind of brings home just how um, how Malfi's is the need fire. Like this is a fire you don't make unless you're desperate and unless this has to get lit and unless you know what the Sam Hill you're doing. Because this is, mind you, I literally just picked this up yesterday, so I'm really happy with my with my progress that I almost got a fire lit using this method today. I'm amazing progress, happy with it, but. I have such deep respect for people who can do this regularly because right. it's work. So yeah, that's, that's really what's been on my mind today. Cause I uh, came home, had a lot of energy from work cause I'd slept a lot yesterday and then uh, grilled for the, like the first hour and a half that I was home made breakfast oh, nice. and 
actually just did dinner at the same time because screw it, I had energy. And so um tried to make the sacred fire, tried three times, said, okay, hung it up, crashed out, woke up, said, okay, let's try this again. The sixth time today that I, I almost got it, the thing that really kind of confused me was the embers died inside of the, the tinder bundle. Like I had the tinder bundle almost lit and then it just stopped. So I'm like, okay, that's definitely a sign to quit. We'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> that's That's been my day. How about you, Jim? It's been a good day. It's been nice and sunny here. I'm recovering. I spent a lot of yesterday doing yard work and mowing and chasing the chickens out of the road because they they do try to cross the road and and they don't always make it to the other side depending on traffic. So <laughs> um yeah, I've had to retrieve them a few times because we've got like an acre and a half and no, they've got to wander across the road. They're just not bright animals sometimes, but I feel you, my neighbor's chickens, they they do this thing where it's like, I don't know why y'all feel the need to cheat, to try to cheat death today, but stop <laughs> walking in front of my car. I mean, Definitely. at least they're just chickens by you guys. The kids in my neighborhood just run out in the middle of the road for no damn reason. And I'm like, seriously, do you, are, do you oh, want to die? My, my wife had a turkey yeah. a couple of weeks back and there was just like feathers oh, everywhere. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I had yeah. a friend who hit a turkey in the middle of summer and he had his windows down and the turkey ended up in his <laughs> oh, passenger no. seat. Oh, no. And the turkey was still alive. So it's like a Chris Bartley <laughs> movie, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did, before we get rolling into the interview, I want to uh, shout out real quick. Thank you to Branadoff, who is back with us as a Patreon supporter. Really appreciate Yay. your support. Welcome and I also want to personally thank everybody for all the fantastic feedback and comments about the last episode. Um, Really kind. And I also really find it amazing that that became such a, a community building moment. It really feel like it's, it's spurned some good conversations. So I really appreciate that feedback and support. Yeah. It, it, it's just another reminder of, why I love our community so much because the three of us try to be as open and inclusive as we mm-hmm. possibly can. But I think, I think sometimes we remove ourselves from that open inclusivity, you know, which is kind of silly because our community was built because of us and we right, feel right. like we're involved in it, but to have it be said and have people come forward and be like, I understand where you're at and really? I support you in this and say it's such nice things that they did was even for us, you know, it's a, great. it's a public platform and it's our show and we, and you know, we say what we want to say, but it's still strangely hard to be vulnerable on it sometimes. But, you know, I think that's yeah. one of the things we, we do well. So. Yeah. Basically just saying we, we love you guys. You're awesome. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much as always to our community. So Sarah, would you like to do the introductions for our guest? I'm really excited. So welcome to Reverend Olivia Komodo of the uh, Shinto priesthood. Um, You're known as a Shinsoku, or sorry, Shinshoku, excuse me, of the Konko faith. Uh, And you're currently living, uh, last I checked, you're still living in Japan. And when I saw you're living with Kami blog come across my Tumblr, I randomly one day, I don't even remember what I was looking for. 
And I went, wow, that's really awesome. I wonder if she's interested in coming on the show. And so I think it was almost a year ago that I emailed and uh, was very happy that you were interested in coming on the show, but totally understand because I know that uh, life in general is busy, but you're specifically somebody that, <laughs> somebody that works at a shrine in, in Japan. So, uh, and you, you serve what looks like a lot of hats. You're an associate priestess, a Totsugi mediator, a faith teacher, and a Miko at the Konko, sorry, <sighs> Konkokyo Yokosuka Shrine, which is a lot just from <laughs> like trying to say all that. And I, I apologize for butchering. Uh, the the language there. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and being willing to share your time and clearly your breadth of experience with us. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's nothing. Um, I, I'm really honored that you invited me to be on the show. And um, I, I really feel appreciative that I was able to come on, but I, I was so nervous. So please bear <laughs> with me. Um, but yes, like, uh, it's it's a lot of responsibilities, but um, they kind of flow together. So mm. uh, it's not so bad. Like they kind of balance each other out between uh, the time. So I, I somehow I can manage, but <laughs> it's a little bit different. But um, I, I'm I'm really glad that you invited me, and I, I'm happy that you found my blog too. I I feel mm. like wow. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Um, for folks that don't know, livingwithkami.com is the blog. And uh, you can also find them on Tumblr. And just the uh, amazing amount of information and resources that you have here. I, I couldn't even get through it all. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, would you mind talking a bit about the different things that you do and and uh, if you'd if you'd be willing to talk about how you got started as working at the shrine and work doing all these different things, of uh, course. Uh, so I'll start with um, how I started to work here. So um, basically, oh, I used to live in Canada in Toronto. Uh, well, that was that's my home, my home country, and my hometown. And um, in Toronto, there's a Konko shrine there. And I didn't know about it, like, at all. Like, uh, like I knew Shinto since I was a child, and I practiced at home, but mm -hmm. I didn't know there was, like, any related shrines or anything in Toronto or Canada even <laughs> at the time. I had no idea. Uh, and I've, yeah. I've been living here in Michigan and haven't made a chance to go there. Is it still there? Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not so far. Uh, I mean, from Michigan to Toronto, it's a bit of a drive, but. It's yeah. pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah. Um, so I, I didn't know at all, but, uh, just by chance. Um, so back then, uh, right now I'm 30, uh, but back then I was 18 <laughs> and I was coming home, uh, on from school, like high school on the bus. And, um, I, I was just, cause usually I took the train. But today I was like, well, let me try taking the bus. I don't know. I felt like some kind of thing <laughs> about it. And uh, while I was on the bus, um, it passed by the shrine while I was riding. And I noticed like 
it had like the two. So on Shinto shrines, there's these two little um, architectural beams, and they're called chigi. And I saw the chigi on top of that building, and I was like, "Is that a Shinto shrine?" Because <laughs> I, I was like, "What am I? Am I dreaming this? <laughs> it's weird." Um, and I saw on the the banner it said it said Konko, but it said church. It didn't say shrine. I was like, "That's weird." I'm like. Is it like some kind of like weird like Japanese Christian thing? Like I'm confused. Um, so, so I went I went home and I like I searched on Google and I I, I read about it and learned more and realized that um, since Konko in North America is so old, uh, like it came to North America like pre-war times, so really really early, and a way to. Uh, not only assimilate to the culture, but also uh, translation of the word we use in Japanese, which is uh, kyokai for Konko churches. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain it later. <laughs> but uh, basically, they translate it to church or sometimes like fellowship or mission. And that's why there's that like weird translation because it's from such an archaic pre-war time trying to assimilate into American culture. And so I learned that, and I also learned that Konko faith is Shinto. It's like part of the Shinto umbrella. So I was like, oh, well, that's so interesting. And then I went and made an appointment with the reverend there. Uh, his name is uh, Reverend Takao Kishi, uh, or Kishi-sensei. And uh, he explained to me about Konko faith a lot, and I learned more and more. And I started attending the ceremonies and learning more and meeting new people. And eventually, over time, um, uh, maybe a few years uh, into practicing and visiting, um, maybe about like four years and five years in, uh, at the time for me, I was really, really dedicated. Like I, I was feeling a strong pull and um, appreciation for the faith and the values it holds. Uh, so I was really passionate, <laughs> and I still am. But you know, at the time, like it was really something important to me. And it was like a really big focus. And uh, I was, after a lot of um, attending to like, they would hold like conferences and uh, learning events and things like that, like around North America. And I would try to go and learn and study lots. And eventually after a few years of that, um, one of the head ministers or the head priests of uh, the Vancouver Shrine. Uh, he asked me, like, would you be interested in going to Japan to learn more and train uh, about the faith and possibly uh, move, go forward to become like a priest or a minister? Would you be interested in that? And I said, well, like, I was surprised. Um, but I felt it was also kind of like a calling or like a like a pull. So I said, well, might as well try. And if I fail, then it's not the right time. And if I manage to go ahead, uh, then I'll do my best. And so I went to Japan in 2015 and I did the training, uh, both the minister training and the general, like the general learning of the faith, like the history, um, the culture. Uh, there's a lot of things involved because uh, in Shinto, it's not just, um, religion. It's like also you have to know like all the Japanese cultural 
background and nuance and history because they're intertwined together. So there's a lot of study, a lot of practice. And uh, eventually I somehow managed to uh, gain approval and ordainment and it was really humbling. But I, I, mm, but the thing is that uh, in Shinto and especially in Konko faith, like ordainment and license doesn't mean you're done. It means you're just starting. So like even even if I managed to get that approval, it's still like, okay, now you have this approval, but you start the journey of learning to become a good uh like like priest and minister and how to help people. So it's not like you're done, but you just start. Um but yes, so uh that's what happened in 2015. And then um in 2017, I want to say like a few years, I was serving the Toronto, the Toronto Shrine. And two years later, I was having more connections in Japan. And I was connecting with uh, my, my partner. Uh, his name is Masumi Kiyoto. And um, so we were like connecting more. And eventually he offered me to stay here at the Yokosuka Shrine to... Uh, also to serve the shrine, but also kind of like live in Japan and, you know, have a feel of life here for a year. And I came here on a working holiday visa and I tried to uh, work here in Japan and see the difference between a shrine in Japan and a shrine in Canada. And eventually uh, I really, I, there's a big difference (laughs) between uh, people and like culture and so many little things that you take for granted, but they're big things when you notice the difference. So, (laughs) so, um, I guess, uh, I spent a year here, uh, working, training, living. And of course, during that time, uh, me and uh, Masfumi Sensei became closer and eventually we became into a relationship and I decided to stay here in Yokosuka. And since then, I, and of course, uh, we, we got married in 2018, but I'm, I'm just shy. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes. Um, but yes, so, so, so since then, um, since 2018, uh, I've been working here and learning more about life here and the differences and, uh, I've actually, there's, you know, you think that maybe there's not much to learn after so long, but there, every, I'm learning something every day. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot. And um, I want to really absorb it too, not just like know it in my head, but know it in my heart too. So uh, that's, yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that's how I got to work here. Oh, that's- I, I have a an interesting question uh, because you, you started in Canada and you started studying this as a child and then found the temple and then eventually ended up in Japan only to come back home and then go back. And you, you spoke of how different it is between the temples in Japan versus the temples that are here. How has living the religion and learning from the Japanese people changed your viewpoint that you had before you did all that, you know, because in America we have, or in the Americas, we have a very, you know, 
all for one kind of mentality. You know, there isn't very tight family bonds uh, for many people. Um, And we're all very stuck in our phones and, you know, kind of that consumerism ideal where a lot of things are disconnected. How did that, what did you keep from that culture and bring forward with you into Shintoism and uh, through to the temples over there versus what have you brought from Japan back over here when you did return to the Americas? Ah, thank you so much. Ah, that's a really good, really good question. Um, so I think the, like you said, the biggest difference is that uh, what I noticed between here and uh, North America is, or what the Western world, or I don't know how you want to say, but um, definitely that there's a difference between um, like a sense of individualism, which isn't bad, and the sense of community, which is good, but also has its faults in Japan. So I think, how do I want to say this? Like the biggest thing is that I took from like living in Canada to Japan uh, was that I would say that consideration of every person's individual path. So how, what I mean by that is that um, when, when someone comes to the shrine, you know, um, I try not to like assume or judge their life or my concept of how their life might be. Um, you know, I don't try to have any like preconceived notions or, or even expectations that they should follow certain ways, um, like cultural ways. So, for example, if they come to the shrine, but they don't know how to do a certain thing or they don't like act super polite or something, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, they're, they're not educated or they're not proper or whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to think that. I'm just going to look at them like as a person, like just get to know them from the base, up, you know. So I feel like that perspective is really helpful because especially in, in Konko faith, it's a faith about, you know, focusing on helping people with their personal troubles. So, of course, to know the root of someone's troubles, you have to know the root of who they are and their perspectives and their life and how they experience and view things. So I feel like that was a really valuable, precious like lesson I try to keep. And uh, the other the other thing that I I gained from uh, Canada, North America is that um, it's not as deep, <laughs> but um, the sense of like I guess the sense of like putting yourself out there in the community so you know in Japan a lot of people are very like introverted like they keep to themselves not everyone but generally speaking like everyone likes to just stay in their own like bu- like bubble or space or you know and there's not really a lot of like reaching out or opening like opening yourself up or things like that or reaching out like online or like you know having like I'm not really like promotions but like you know just getting yourself out there and uh so when I when I came here uh, I noticed the difference between like here in Toronto was that like here like it was kind of very like all the members were more like you know long-term members or like, oh, not members, but like worshippers, you know, they came here all the time. 
but I wanted to reach out to like the general broader community and online too. So that was another um, benefit or not benefit or like good thing that I took from uh, like the culture I grew up in. So, and, and likewise, um, something from Japan that I wanted to bring over to Canada, North America. Mm, so this one's a little bit more complicated, but basically, um, so when I came here, I had an idea that like the different faiths in Shinto were kind of like, like their own thing. So like, like, you know, um, and like Christianity, for example, there's like Catholicism, Protestantism, and, you know, all the different branches. And then Buddhism too, there's like, Zen Buddhism, like Tendai Buddhism and so on. And, you know, I kind of like categorized them like, okay, this is that, this is that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and honestly, for a few years, like, I thought that's how it was like everywhere, but it wasn't the case. Um, for example, like, like in Japan, um, if you say like, I'm such and such face, like most people would be like, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you mean you're fake? What? They, like, they can't, they can't understand what I'm trying to say. Like, it feels, it's weird. And, and even if I say, like, like, I'm, I'm Shinto or like, I'm Konko, they're going to be like, hmm? like, what do you mean? Like, because, because the thing is that, um, religion or a concept of religion is totally different here. You know, people say that, like, maybe Japan is, like, atheist, but it's not true. It's more, like, it's not all true. Like, it's more just, like, the concept of religious identity is based on what you do or, like, where you go to. So it's, like, I go to so-and-so shrine. I go to the temple here. And that's how I pray and how I practice my my religion. But we don't say, like, we are this religion or we are this like part of this um like group or title or uh label like it's not really that's not how it's done here <laughs> like i noticed <laughs> so it's a little less of this is what i am and more of this is what i do i uh, guess yes exactly exactly okay yeah and it's like uh it's the implication that what i do is who like who i am so your actions show you or show who you are. So it's like, it's like that kind of thing. So it's kind of like inferred that if you go to that temple, then of course you believe uh, in, in, or like there's something about Buddhism that it calls to you. Or if you go to the shrine, there's a reason you go to the shrine, whether it's cultural or personally religious or spiritual reasons, but those personal reasons don't really be, uh, aren't really talked about. It's more just like you kind of like absorb it. You're like, oh, I see. Like you're kind of just like sub subtly knowing the person, but not directly knowing them. So it's kind of more like that kind of uh, atmosphere. But of course, like if you're close to someone, you can talk about like your religion and your beliefs and your your feelings strongly. But if you're just like acquaintances, it's not like. You don't say like I'm Buddhist, I'm Shinto. It's like I go to this temple, I go to the shrine. So. And That's very um, interesting. I I hadn't thought about that um, yeah. because I think I wonder if that's part of the Western 
part of of expressing our individuality of you know like or almost like advertising ourselves that the proclamation of our faith is so important to us sometimes to probably to some people the proclamation is more important than the actual actions which i had never really thought of that as being so much of our uh, of the western culture as opposed to other faiths where it's it's more based on the actions and where you go i find that really very wholesome that 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 you're defined by what you do and and where you go more so than any proclamation standing on a hill sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i really like that too about the culture i i i found it also like wholesome and moving you know it's like i i really like this perspective you know it, it feels more natural and uh and for, for me too, like, uh, I used to be more like, okay, I'm this and other people are that. But when I, when I lived here, when I'm living here more and more and more, I realized like labels are just, or separations and categorizing. Um, and maybe it's good for other religions or other situations, but for Shinto, is really shouldn't do it at all because it makes things really confusing and really complicated and it takes it out of context so much. And um, and I, I had to correct my own mistakes too because I used to write about my experience in that categorizing way. But nowadays I'm trying to be like, trying to move away from that and change that view and be like, here in Japan, it's not like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so... I want to bring that feeling back to North America, back to Canada, because I feel there it's very like way more like this is like our shrine and this is their shrine and like this is our kami, that's their kami. And I'm like, no, it's not. It shouldn't be like that thing, you know. It's more connected than we realize. And especially in Japan, like no one ever like ever thinks that way like like especially because like priests from like like for example like priests from like a hachiman shrine can serve at like the inari shrine and like even like i know like uh there's some konko shrines that help serve the local like ibisu shrines and so on so it's like just all more interconnected so i really want to like teach that and show that way like back back across the pond so to speak because i feel that way is really good when you know as a way to form community for an already small community overseas so Mm. rather than yeah yeah rather than trying to break us up more i want to make people feel more connected you know and not feel like uh, oh we're different you know things like that because it's really not the case so yeah, I hope I explained that. So, one of the things that I found really interesting when uh, when I was taking courses on uh, religion back in college, one of the things that was really vexing for a lot of folks trying to explain Shinto is trying to explain what in the hell the kami are, because it's a word that can be a stand-in for gods, for spirits, for energy, 
for so it's it's so funny because so many people are like kind of throwing their hands up going it's untranslatable it just it's i had a professor who was trying to explain it to the class and it was really fun because it's this word that kind of almost evades a single definition which i found really funny yes exactly exactly that's exactly it uh honestly it's (laughs) that's the that's the thing about shinto is like uh you can't approach it from so i I, i'm gonna i'm here and i need to understand that like you need to go there and like start from the roots up (laughs) otherwise it's impossible (laughs) and like kami is one of those words because it's um well according to my knowledge and research uh from other scholars in japan that word is like super 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 old it predates the japanese language uh probably like th- like 10,000 years or longer older it's a very old word and um and like and as far as i know uh, even even Japanese scholars since like ancient times try to define what kami is, and even they don't really know exactly. And they they try to define it like with influence from from like Taoism or influence from Buddhism, but eventually like they you can't really like define exactly. But the closest sense that everyone seems to agree on is that kami is not a thing but it's a feeling so uh like when you when you feel something really special like whether it's like a waterfall or like even in like another person or like uh like an experience you're feeling um people will say like a kami is here that kami that's kami or like it's like something that makes you feel like awe or special or like gives you chills or some kind of strange intense feeling or gives you a sense of wonder or evokes emotion in you in a strong way that 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 would be coming but uh, that's like the core like it's like the, the seed of what coming means but of course like with the introduction of other religions and uh now like cross-cultural uh definitions and understandings uh of course like kami can mean like the gods the deities uh spirits ancestors like everything (laughs) in that in that group so it's like it has like a core meaning and then like branches that can mean all the other things so uh but i think uh god or deity is the closest one Mm -hmm. uh yeah simply because um it's the closest word we have, at least in English, to define a great existence that that is connected to like our lives and nature and kind of like is the is the existence we rely on to um support us in our lives. So well not everyone, but you know, like the concept of like people praying or relying on or needing help from a force that's greater than us so i think it's the closest translation so i, I yeah yeah i was I, I say i like that a lot i'm sorry i didn't didn't mean to interrupt the no, no, no. i like that a lot it reminds me 
there's a similarity there between the experience at the temples themselves. Uh, it, like the temples aren't to be de- defined, they're to be experienced. Kami's the yes. same way. It's not to be defined, it's to be experienced. At least the way you're explaining it, that's how it seems to me. Yes, yes. Uh, yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is the way to learn, like, uh, know, to know the concept of Kami and to know Shinto itself is to live it, to practice it, to experience it. Um, of course, it's hard uh, for people like far from shrines and far from a community or just feeling pulled but not really into the water, so to speak, yet. But I think it's still possible even that way. So, yeah. And, and even, you know, like, I know people are like, you know, it's hard to learn Shinto in a book or reading it. But, I mean, that's true. But... If you also take reading it or researching about it as you're experienced into Shinto, I think that's also valuable because you're doing the action. Your, your interest is there. You're not just reading it flatly, but you're like, you're actually putting your heart into learning. And I think that's also uh, an experience someone can do. <laughs> so, yes. So I just want to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly because I don't I don't want to have any um, uh, wires crossed in my brain. Uh, so each shrine um, has a different practice to it. Oh. Like uh, Kon- Konko is the and forgive me, I'm terrible at pronouncing things, uh, but is the practice of helping others, assisting others in their life, helping them kind of overcome barriers and stuff. And then there are other shrines dedicated to other practices, correct? Uh, but yes, it's all it's- and it's all under the umbrella of like uh, Shintoism, correct? Yes, 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 exactly. So, um, oh. Are the other uh, do people? Like when people come to a shrine specifically, do they do they stay with that shrine their whole life, or do they do they travel between them throughout different stages of their lives, or do they? I I'm I'm trying to to understand it. Is it because they're not separate really, but they're they're not. I guess not really intermixed either. They all kind of exist in the same space as each other. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Ah, uh, okay. so yes, uh, that's that's a good yeah. Uh, so it's a it's really good uh, understanding, and uh, I'll I'll add some more like a, an image so you can kind of uh, get the image more. Ah, uh, yes. So 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 basically, like um. Uh, every shrine, so there's there's like three layers to this. It's very complicated. Um, so so every shrine has their own ways of doing something or decorating the altar or setting things up. So uh, per shrine basis, uh, no two shrines are exactly alike. So you know we'll follow like guidelines and traditions and. Uh, basic ceremony rules and offering rules and things like that. Uh, but there's no rule that says like you have to do the altar like this specifically or 
you have to put this here or that there. Like, it's not that strict. So even if you see like pictures of shrines, like some are red, some are just plain wood, uh, you know, some have different features or different styles. Uh, it's, it can be very varied like that. So that, that's one thing that it's very different each place you go to, but they're connected by those guidelines and rules and traditions. And on, on, on top of that, uh, is each like faith or, uh, where they're like, not only what Kamisama, the shrine will enshrine or focus on, but the tradition that, that comes from. So, for example, like, like, um, in Japan, for example, like Issei Jingu, uh, the main Kamisama enshrined is Amaterasu Omikami and Toyuke Omikami. And there, that is like the head shrine and the main Kamisama there. But there's many others, but just for simplicity's sake, there's main shrine, main Kamisama. And then there's branch shrines of Issei Jingu and those branch shrines usually have a certain name, like for example, like Shinmeisha, or Shinmei, um, or like sh- something with Shinmei, or you know, some use actually like Issei in the name, or Jingu, or something like that. And they they are branched from the parent shrine, so you know they have branches all over Japan. Taking uh, and the kamisama from the main shrine are like. It's a complicated process, but they're basically enshrined in those branch shrines. So they follow like a, their own system. And <laughs> there's many systems like that in Shinto. And like I mentioned, many different uh, concepts or values that those faiths place importance on. So uh, like many, for example, like an individual uh, Hachimen shrine, can like want to help other people like a Konko shrine. But the f- main focus, of course, is on the divine virtues or abilities of Hachima or Kamisama. So like, you know, uh, many people will be into sports or um, like yeah, uh, wanting to overcome a challenge because Hachima or Kamisama is related to war. But war translates into sports, competition, victory. <laughs> so things like that. Or like a Tenjin shrine, uh, people will go to Tenjin Sama to pray for good studies or good uh, writing, poetry, things like that. So it's kind of like each Kamisama, each shrine faith has their divine virtues they focus on. Um, but they also can, they don't, they don't strictly be that way. They can be more broad too. And to answer your question about like, do people go to other faiths and shrines? Uh, yes. So, like, um, no one is restricted. Like, there's no conversion. There's no, like, kind of like baptism system. There's nothing like that. So, like, uh, even for me, like, I can go to any shrine I want to pray anywhere I want to. And, uh, that's actually encouraged to, to do so, to show respect to all the Kamisama, not just like you shouldn't be exclusive, but you should be respectful to all so it's actually good good practice to be that way but um of course uh you can also focus too it's not bad uh and for most for most people in japan uh most people will just pray to their local neighborhood shrine 
So, you know, <laughs> most people don't give so much thought about like, oh, I'm going to pray to this Kamisama or that Kamisama. Like, they just like, okay, this is my, the Kamisama of the neighborhood here, and I'm going to pray to them and ask them for, for help. Unless it's like a, unless it's like a big situation, like, like health or studies or, or something big going on, maybe people might go to like a specific shrine for that situation. But most of the time, people just pray to their local shrine or uh, sightsee <laughs> bigger shrines. So uh, it's not so strict and you can like go freely between them. And what, what connects them all is basically the traditions, the rituals, the the practices, the kind of rules, like the rules, how to do ceremony offerings. Um, I say there are rules, but even those can be kind of uh, different sometimes. So it's just the thing is that Shinto is so old. So it's like, it's like hundreds of years of building up the, the, the faith, uh, the practice. So there's a lot of variation. Um, so. Uh, actually, uh, my my partner compared it to sushi. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> there's no like one true sushi. There's variations. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I liked it too. Um, yeah, the, there's like you can't say like okay, the real sushi is like salmon on rice. Like no one says that. It's just, but you know you know the food is sushi because of the basics you know like it's fish and rice and the vinegared rice and how to make it you know so that that's kind of the same shinto you know there's the basics that you know makes it shinto but mm. you don't have to like do the like it's only this it's it's not that way <laughs> so yeah I'm just I'm listening to all this and I'm thinking I'm just struck by how similar this is to you know, polytheism animism as I've seen it practiced in our communities where there are some people who will dedicate themselves entirely to the worship of one God. And then there's some folks who will like worship an entire group of them. Um, and then they'll do, you know, uh, I'll take this guy from this pantheon or culture group yeah. and their altars are freely mixed, but they'll still have some basic uh, orthopraxies, like, uh, you know, uh, I don't leave rotten food on the shrine, that kind of thing. But it's like really basic rules of conduct. It's not like I must absolutely always and forever believe X, Y, or Z about this God or have this relationship with them. Uh, so much of what I'm hearing is that Shinto is adaptable while having, like you said with sushi, uh, gods, now I want sushi. Um, that, uh, the, the, the basics are relatively easy to pick up and the depth of practice is where you take it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I, and I'm glad it, it's like that, you know, uh, you, though, when, when you said that, you made me realize, and I want to say that, you know, um, uh, Shinto, uh, it's not only exclusive to Japanese gods, so to speak. So, like, like, um, Shinto is just the way of living to respect and honor these 
economy, like around us. And that includes like for like foreign, like quote unquote foreign kami. So like um there's actually uh I know that there's a shrine uh, like up in Hokkaido at a ski resort and they enshrine like like Skathi and and ah everything. <laughs> but, That's uh, amazing. Uller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uller and Skathi, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, God! Now I got to make a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is it's, so it's, cool. Yeah, I, I, it's. I was so shocked. I was like, "Whoa!" Like, I didn't know this. Yeah, and and it's because it's because um, skiing is not like a it's not a Japanese sport or tradition. So, like you know, the person who made the ski resort, they were like, "Well, which kamisama should should protect here?" And they're like. Well, we need we need the we need the Norse gods like so they they enshrine and, and I I the, love how practical that is I yeah. really appreciate that yeah 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 Shinto is very very practical and like well we don't have a god for this thing so let's just borrow from these over here because this this kami already exists so we'll just plunk her down here and. <laughs> I was gonna say, is it is it uh, Hachiman actually uh, Hanuman? Oh uh, yeah, in in origin. Oh, uh, actually, well, or am I missing uh, that? Oh no, no, yeah. So, so there's like there's uh, various interpretations of origins of Kamisama. Mm-hmm. and yes, yes, that is that is one uh, link link between Hachiman Sama, Hachiman Kamisama, and okay. uh, like Hanuman and various other Kami. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, so it's it's really it's really interesting. Uh, and yes, uh, even um, sorry, even hi- historically, um, there's like for example, uh, Benzai Ten Sama. She's like a kamisama of mm-hmm. you know flowing and poetry and waters. Uh, she's just she's literally just like Saraswati from Hinduism, like like just like her imported to Japan, but. Because she's she was imported so long, like for a thousand years, she became completely like Japanese. I mean, like so, most Japanese people don't know she's like actually a Hindu goddess, but she really just is like her, like directly. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. See, now, now I'm curious as to what it's going to look like up in Hokkaido in a thousand oh. years. With uh, well, uh, how how would you construct the the name for? The these gods in uh, Japanese. I'm sorry. Oh, uh-huh. also, like, like, like. Do you mean like a translation? Or? Yeah, like maybe Uller and Skathi, since they're the kami of that area. Oh, uh-huh. um. As far as I know, uh, right now they just have like their names in like katakana, which is like oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, like the direct translation. But maybe if it was like a thousand years ago. <laughs> They they would try to uh, so so kami names are more like descriptors so hmm. they're very descriptive so maybe something like you know like like I don't know but something with like winter or strength or using these kind of aspects of her to describe oh that's her. really neat okay yeah. so that reminds me a lot um, in Hebrew we have this this concept called heti which are poetic kennings. Oh, yes, yes. So it sounds very similar, very interesting. I like that a lot. Yes, exactly. 
Yes, I, I like um, I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I I noticed that um that when I you know when you research about um ancient ancient cultures around the world who have their native native gods and they share the faith in them around the continent, like in Europe, for example, or or South America as well, North America, um, and Africa too. I notice a lot of like the same roots of humanity, like how we feel close to these presences or forces. And, you know, when I, when I research about like, like the old Roman ways or the, the ways they worship the gods in Greece or, you know, in, in Northern Europe, there's a lot of like similar or the same roots that we share. And, the same, I don't want to say the same practice because it's different because of the culture, but it's because it's like how we, how we used to live with, with, with these divinities and presences. Like, for example, I remember reading that in, um, I think it was Iceland, I want to say, but there would be like a far, like farmers, they would pray to like Thor. And like Jesus at the same time, yep. <laughs> because yep. they're like, yeah, they're like, I don't know who's gonna give me good crop, but help, <laughs> you know. And that's like the same like practice in Shinto, like, mm-hmm. like, like a person, like a farmer might be like, I don't know who's gonna help me, but please, like, <laughs> I mean, like, come so like, like, I pray to you to help me out. So it's not like it's the same kind of practicality and daily living that it was less of a con- like a constructed like set of beliefs we what everyone had to follow <laughs> but it was more like these are our traditions and our culture and these are the ways that our gods taught us to do things and how we honor them and how we live with them day-to-day life so i i love i love that way of living i guess like i think that's really good way so yeah. <laughs> yeah actually so that leads very naturally to my next question which is with shinto being so connected to language and culture we've talked about the kami coming into shinto but what about people themselves so a lot of our listeners are interested in various forms of spirituality if they were attracted to shinto if they felt like they were being connected or called by the kami or just were interested in those concepts. Do you have any thoughts on how does Shinto feel about people from other cultures looking at the, at that practice and, and what is a good way for outsiders to approach it? Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, yes. So, so basically um, as with most things from Japan, the, the key word is like assimilation. So, you know, in Rome, do as the Romans do. So that, that's like the core of every, not only Shinto, but most things with Japanese culture. Um, but that doesn't mean if you're not like genetically blood Japanese, you can't. So it's not that. Um, but the thing is that if you do come or someone who's not, uh, connected to Shinto or 
Japanese culture and has no idea, like just blank slate, um, they absolutely are welcomed and encouraged to come participate, you know, pray at shrines, learn more, um, to pay respects to Kamisama and learn everything. But um, the thing is that you definitely have to like assimilate from the ground up. Like you have to understand the importance of tradition and the culture. So um, like if you try to do something like against the tradition with, without understanding it. So like the expectation is that you should understand it from the root before you try to change it or make an adaption, you know? So it's kind of like school, like you have to know this first and then this and then this. And then once you know everything as much as you can, then you'll have more educated uh, concept and understanding to engage in nuanced discussions or changes or adaptions, especially for living overseas. but basically, first coming into it, uh, it's good to start from the bottom up. And uh, for Shinto especially, um, it's so, like I, like I said before, it's so old. It's so rooted in the culture. It's so rooted in the language. Uh, like we're saying about the like kami, even that just one word alone is so loaded. So uh, people who come into it should really be prepared to kind of study Japanese culture, study Japanese language. Um, really understand the historical nuances, uh, connections, history. Uh, and not, not just because like you have to, like, it's not like if you don't do X, you can't do Y. It's you should do X because if you don't do X, you won't understand Y. So it's like, it's like, it's like that kind of feeling. Like it's not to put you down. But it's like you need you need to because you'll miss so much and it won't be transmitted properly. So the the transmission part is really valued and important. So uh, I mean, like anyone can come, anyone's welcome. Uh, even even Japanese people who are born and live and raised here don't know lots of things about Shinto. So it's very like no one's gonna judge you. Like everyone's learning on the path together. Even me, I'm still learning. Um, but just just to have that, the core respect and the core uh, coming into it, that it's like okay, I gotta learn, I gotta, I gotta be respectful, you know. And then when I when I get more comfortable and understand, then we can you know talk about stuff that, you know, maybe it's not working or it's too strict or, you know, the the criticisms of how it evolved historically as well because it wasn't perfect. So all those things. So definitely speaking. And um, another thing I should mention is that uh, there's a big difference between uh, coming into Shinto via like the Japan, like directly through the Japan connection or going through like a, a North American connection because there's definitely uh, like a split, especially uh, post-war. So, you know, unfortunately, uh, in North America, you know, Japanese diaspora weren't treated well. And there's a lot of heavy history there, a lot of heavy baggage, a lot of, you know, pain and, and trauma. So, you know, coming into it when you're in North America, 
uh, it has to have that extra layer of, you know, respect and understanding. And, you know, even if, like, I know that some people in Konko faith, for example, they don't, they say that we aren't Shinto, like we're not Shinto. And the reason for that is because Shinto, uh, in terms of what it was in World War II, is very different than what it is now in Japan. So the idea, like when I say Shinto, the idea for like an older, an elder in North America would be like imperialist, you know, nationalist, all this like bad stuff. And um, well, you know, it's in a, in a corrupted way, you know, how it was misused and um, used for propaganda and, and war. Whereas if I say Shinto in Japan, it's like completely different, more open uh, as it is, but the, the viewpoints are, are, are split and there's that nuance to consider as well. If you're living in North America and getting into Shinto um, and connecting with the community, it's important to remember that history as well, like the World War II, uh, pre-war, post-war, that kind of uh, um, situation as well. Um, but nowadays, it's it's better. Like it, it's it's more, you know, getting back to the roots of what Shinto really is, uh, away from the war image of like you know nationalists like Koko Shinto, like uh, a state Shinto kind of thing. You know, a, a more away from that and more back into what it is in Japan, just worshiping and revering the kami, their day to day lives. So, yes. Thank you. That that really that does help because I I was curious because and I, I think that you did a wonderful job of summarizing because uh the the key is um assimilation and appreciation, not appropriation. And I think as long as people are keeping that in mind, it sounds like it's going to to be a very nice path if they choose to participate in it. So thank yes. you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And yes, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, even in, in practice now, there's, of course, there's like many people from all over, uh, all over any background culture, they participate in the shrines in North America and there's no, you know, there's no troubles. Everyone gets along. And I think <laughs> the, the best uh, ideal image or example is like in Hawaii, uh, you know, uh, the, the shrines are really healthy. The communities are really good and, and big and varied and diverse and they're very uh, welcoming and kind. So I think they're like the ideal example of how Shinto can be overseas. So in the, in the modern age. So yeah, yeah I uh, remember uh, PSVL talking a lot about uh, the Subaki Grand Shrine in uh, the Pacific Northwest and how sad. MR that the uh the shrine is gonna be closing, but apparently the the priest of that shrine is gonna be opening up a new one in Florida. So for for folks who are in the area, that is something that you can look forward to. I don't know when they're opening that shrine, but that's something that I've been hearing about a lot. Um possibly passing the Subaki Grand Shrine on to somebody else, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm not in that community, but it's mm-hmm. just like I'm really happy to hear that there's so many accessible places for people who are interested in Shinto because 
Tsubaki Grand Shrine was the only one that I would hear about for the longest time. So it's really cool. And also just uh, looking at livingwithkami.com, there's a ton of uh, shrines here in, in North America, but also around the world. So that's really cool. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you reminded me that um, that that is why I wanted to make uh, my blog because uh, I was, you know, I was shocked that, like I said, I was shocked that there was anything in Toronto. And also for, for me too, like uh, for the longest time, I only knew about Tsubaki in, in Washington. Like I didn't know there was this whole a whole thing happening. <laughs> so, and I didn't know about like you know, the shrines in Hawaii. Like they felt more like their own kind of community there. And I mm. was like, what is this? <laughs> so uh, that that's why when I, when I got into the community more and became more involved, I was like, other people should know this. Like other people should, should get involved. Like uh, they shouldn't be like me where I'm like Googling crazy. Like where is this? <laughs> where is everything? You know? Uh, I, I wanted to have it accessible, so. but yeah, and and uh, if I can, I could say on Subaki in Washington, um, the the no the news I know is that um, unfortunately they are closing on June thirty this year, um, but I heard from Reverend Barish that he is opening a new shrine in Florida, which. I was like, where in Florida? But it's close to like like Orlando, like all the tourist places. So and really close to the airport. So I, I mean, like if I if I visit, I feel like maybe it'll be okay. Like just go straight there and in that whole bubble, like and then go back. <laughs> so it'll be okay. <laughs> but yes, and um, I, he said that would be in like the autumn. So like uh and maybe september so i hope it'll be good and i heard that he will bring all the uh the altar items the sacred items over so it'll be like proper oh like, wonderful yeah, yeah so i mean proper but like you know like traditional uh, all the original items from washington will come there he he said so i hope i, I look forward to it yeah that actually yeah. does make sense as a location because you'd be near the airport. I'm sure you'd have so many travelers through that might be interested. And and I know it's a major travel hub. So, yeah, that, that actually does seem like a pretty sound location, despite some of the lesser <laughs> uh, appealing things about Florida currently. Yes. Exactly. I thought the conclusion, too. I was like, oh, wow. It should be okay, <laughs> especially for a visit. You know, uh, just uh, just for visiting, and you know that area is safe is good. I hope I hope it'll be good. Um, so you were talking earlier about how the temples in Japan are different than the temples that are here. Is there um, an initiative or? something that uh, people are interested in doing to kind of bring them closer to the temples that are in Japan, because I know there is that, that divide. And, you know, we as Americans didn't treat Japanese Americans very well after the war, but Mm -hmm. is there, 
interest in an attempt to kind of heal that rift that was created through the the fear and the aggression that was displayed here. Mm. Oh, thank you. I uh, yes, I I personally feel that um I can't speak for uh the various groups and the individuals, but uh I do see a lot of like international outreach uh for North America but also the world um from shrines here in Japan. And I do know that there's been quite a, a number of um, well and I would say you could count them on your hands, but there is like other foreign priests who were properly ordained and gone through the training. I mean, uh, of course, <laughs> like, you know, there, there's many, I would say maybe like a 10 or a little bit more, but um, uh, it, that's mostly, that's not because of restriction on Shinto side, but more just the language barrier and the financial barriers and the difficulty of the training is a, the biggest barrier. But uh, I do know that from many people I heard in the Shinto sphere that they want, you know, more international outreach. They want to share Shinto around the world and have that connection. And as far as the North American side, uh, unfortunately, I feel that it's a little bit more like this is our community here. And there is, of course, a link to Japan and the parent shrines there. Um, but it's not as, you know, like it's more like focusing on this is our community here and we'll focus on the people who need us here uh, rather than trying to kind of branch out more. Um, however, like I've noticed that way for about like 10 years or so, but maybe... Maybe lately I see like a little tiny shift. Like I feel like there's been more like outreach a little. Maybe, maybe I feel like it's been, how do I say? Like the catalyst has been like the pandemic. So ever since the pandemic, like more shrines are trying to be online or offer like omomori, uh, like amulets and stuff like online, you know, shipping around the country. Uh, I've, I've seen, I've noticed that change in the last three years, two years. So I think it's changing. <laughs> so definitely on the Japanese side, there's definitely trying to be a link. Uh, and on the North American side and overseas, it's starting, it's like budding to start. I feel like more connecting, not just the local community, but around North America and to Japan as well. So thank yeah, you. The- That's really awesome to hear, um, especially to hear you talk about how important the roots of the tradition itself is. And to hear that the the American uh, community is maybe just starting to kind of find that outreach, that reconnection to where their tradition came from, that, that it kind of warms my heart a little bit. And I'm, I'm excited to see where the religions of the world are able to take root where they kind of go outside of the barriers and kind of, I don't want to use the word infect, but maybe bloom or bud within other communities in the world and, and kind of watch it like draw people together and come closer as, you know, a whole community. So that That's really cool. I was, I was just curious about 
the the connections that might be starting between um, the the tradition in Japan as it began versus the tradition that was brought here by those that came here, you know? So. Yes. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh, thank you so much. And uh, you. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to switch to another topic, but if you had something more to add, go ahead. Oh, uh, no. I, you just, uh, you reminded me uh, that I think that's how Shinto was before before the war, like uh, in in America, especially, um, yeah, there, there was like a really strong connection, and you know, uh, even a lot of shrines in in when they settled in America, they tried to enshrine not only the Japanese uh, kami that they traditionally enshrine, but like like local kami. So um, that would often take the form of like historical figures that were that were respected or uh local uh like like for example in hawaii i remember excuse me for not remembering i'm sorry but uh i remember i I think to this day one shrine still enshrines like uh the the king uh i can't remember his name i'm so sorry Uh, oh yes 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 i thank you so much yes Mm -hmm. yes i i believe that at least historically uh, they did enshrine or invite his spirit to uh, use the shrine as a place people can pray to his spirit to show respect to the island. So um, I know that enshrinement of of not like for in so let me sorry <laughs> um, so enshrinement for kami not or deities and spirits not part of Japanese culture. It's kind of a tricky gray area. Um, like you, you want to respect that spirit, ancestor, deities, culture, and traditions. So the middle road is that if you do have a shrine and you want to dedicate it towards a, a, a deity or spirit where the cultural way of worship is different, um, the feeling is that you can just uh, you want them to say like you can use this space to be revered at, but you don't. It's you don't have to be tied to it. If that makes sense. So that was kind of the feeling or the the way to pay respects. It's not like they didn't want to be like okay, we're this is our space and this is our gods and and where it's just like just us. <laughs> they wanted to bridge between the local community, what's important to the people in the local communities, what is what they uh they want to show respect and a part of a connection. So uh, that that was kind of the concept. Um now it's a little bit more gray and complicated and nuanced. But uh I think that that heart behind it is still important in there. So uh, thank you. It reminded me of that. Um, I hope we can get back to that uh, way too. So, likewise, yeah, I, I hope a lot of people can get to that point. A lot of religions or, or beliefs or faiths can get to that. I, I hope for that a lot. Um, and seeing less strife and fighting amongst different beliefs, you know, that would be a beautiful future. I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
Oh, I was just going to say, um, I I have a lot, I have a lot of hope for that because one of the cool things that I was able to do with somebody on TikTok was uh, a mudang uh, offered uh, some prayers and then said, you know, if you're feeling called, you know, if you want to make offerings to these generals, go ahead and pour out some soju. And just small little exchanges like that. I mean, just the fact that we're sitting here talking in a in a digital sacred space in a, a digital sacred fire. For me, this place of beauty and exchange. You know, um, I use the the term faith here, but I'm also, to my mind, that includes kami of where I'm living. In that that feeling of respect and honoring and and connection a lot of what you're talking about with regard to the kami my brain translates to vatir which translates roughly to spirits and we're part of them so there's not this separation between you know oh the the vatir over there and we're over here nah we're all we're all part of this soup (laughs) and i uh I find there's a real a beauty in that practice that you talked about with bringing in different spirits of the area and a lot of what you're talking about, like almost everything beat for beat. I'm like, wow, that feels so very close to what I'm doing as a heathen to what I know that Jim and, and storm also do with their practices. It feels very much like we are speaking to underlying currents, but, even couched in different cultures and different languages. It speaks, it feels like we're speaking to similar things, if not the same thing. Yes. Yes. I agree. Exactly. I I feel the same way. I I kind of feel like, you know, it's almost comparable to like, it's literally like, like a, like a mirror image of us as humanity, you know? I mean, you know, we all have, our different cultures, our different ways of doing things, our different foods we like, um, different appearances, uh, different clothes and history. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're all human beings, you know. So in the same way, at the end of the day, all the all the deities and spirits and ancestors are that force. They're they're that divine force, and they may that force may go into connect with us as humans in our different cultures and languages and ways but in the same way that we're the same species they are the same not the same yeah this like the same divine force manifested in their own ways that they feel fit for their energies if that makes sense absolutely so, yeah like uh you know like there's a like for me like there's a very big difference between like the kami and like the Norse gods, like how they present or how they like come to you or present to you and like their force, their presence, but they're both like divinity, like a powerful force, you know? So I, I feel like the, the divine forces come through the cultures where they connect to more, or they have a connection to more, but they still are these forces and they have the root ways of how to, you know, connect humans, guide us humans, um, the various ways 
but the same power. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to describe the undescribable. <laughs> it's really a feeling. But I tried to. <laughs> But, yeah, you, I, I think you did a very good job trying to explain something mm-hmm. that we don't have vocabulary for. Like we <laughs> don't, mm-hmm. we don't have the words to explain what we all know and feel out there mm-hmm. and what we feel from the gods. But yes, I, I agree with you in the sense that all of the gods from all the different religions and cultures and traditions all come from the same cosmic goop <laughs> that's <laughs> up there, you know. <laughs> Um, kind of like all of our DNAs are either similar or very similar. You know, we all have red blood in our veins. We all have hearts that beat in our chest. We all need oxygen to breathe and live and we need water to sustain our lives. You know, they are all connected in that way where they differ, like where we differ is between our cultures, our landscapes, where we lay our head at night and where we make our meals and families and stuff like that. And that's, yeah. That's a very cool way to think about, I think. I I like. Thank you for that perspective. I I, I like the statement that the spirits come through the culture or to the culture that they most relate to. And I think maybe that is kind of a key to a lot of things that we're seeing within various spiritual and religious spaces is because the cultural appreciation and exchange because of the internet are faster and more robust than they have ever been. I mean, it wasn't uh, so many years ago that in in the United States and North America, you probably wouldn't have been able to find a sushi shop. And there was people that had never heard of pizza and, and things like that. And that exchange rate is now so fast and so strong that it makes sense to me that while I might not be part of your culture, I can now see more of it than I ever have. And that appreciation would lead to spirits being able to communicate with me easier as well. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. I feel, I feel the same way. Like, you know, before maybe it was limited to just like your region or the people you met, but now we can meet people, like you said, like just, instantly like like us right here <laughs> we're we're like connecting from like crazy distances <laughs> but we can do it you know and I, I feel that's also like a sacred thing you know i know that the internet has its bad sides it has its good sides too and i feel like uh at the the core of it it's a very precious and sacred tool because it's allowed us to be able to do that, you know, allowed us to connect and allowed us to make the world more connected and see that we aren't, that we are different, but we also have the root connections. So, you know, it's like respect the differences and appreciate them, but also understand our connections too. So it's both, you know, it's not like, it's like we have to treasure every difference and they're they're all very sacred and precious. And I don't I feel like it would be sad if we lost those differences and uniqueness. But at the same time, we can't get lost in that and think we're inherently different. We're inherently connected, but we have to appreciate those differences too. So it's like that balance is really 
hard, but it's very important. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it's like everything in nature, you know, like there's, there's going to be very, like very different flowers, you know, you can't just say like, I want all the flowers in the world to be sunflowers. That would, that would suck. <laughs> that would be terrible. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's great that we have different species. But at the same time, we have to understand, like, they're all flowers. They all need sun. They all need water. They need wind, bugs, everything. So it's that balance we have to remember. (laughs) I really appreciate the way you phrased that. I I think that is very well put. Very well put. I am extremely grateful to whatever spirits directed you on the bus that day. I'm glad that they had that intervention and got you going down that path. Since that time, and you were raised in Shinto, so it might be, uh, maybe it's a, a, a good question or maybe it's not. Was there a moment where that faith was kind of reaffirmed in you? Did you have like a big aha moment where you knew that that going into the priesthood was correct for you, or it just felt like it was connecting together. Was there a moment like that? Yes, yes. I, I would say so. Um, I feel like, so thank, thank you so much for asking. But uh, yes, I, first, firstly, I'm also very thankful to the spirits that guided me because I don't know where I'd be, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know where I'd be. I was in like, I was in a really rough place. <laughs> But, you know, um, I'm very grateful for that guidance. And, um, you know, I feel like, I feel like, how can I say this? I feel, okay. oh my gosh, my head, my head, like, just, you know, um, like, how do I say this? Um, wait. Could you could you say one more time? Because I got I got like in lost in a in a weird place. Can you say one more time? Certainly. <laughs> so obviously I think the spirits led you to getting on the bus that day, and I'm I'm really glad they did. After that, was there a moment where you just felt like reaffirmed, like you had that that moment of awe or wonder where you just kind of knew that it was you were on the right path, and and if so, would you be willing to share that with us? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, so yes, I when I when I was a child and I'm practicing Shinto, it was more like just a kind of curio. Like it was not really. I didn't actually. I would. Say, I would say I didn't actually have like a sense of faith or belief really. Um. I was actually going between like Shinto and Buddhism and Catholicism and like all over the place. Um, but I didn't really feel like any kind of like pull or real connection. I mean, I, I did, but it was outside of like a, a traditional path, if that makes sense. Um, but, but when I, when I did get called, I, at least I felt, at least I felt I got called. And I started practicing. I really felt uh, not only when I started to learn about it, like on paper, like the way like Shinto, um, but also just I kind of felt like it was the right way to go. 
like it felt like everything that I was learning, reading, practicing felt aligned to how I experience the divine and spirituality. So, and of course, like we were saying, it's very similar to like the ancient religions and the ancient ways. Um, so that, that was definitely a big part of it. But something in particular about Shinto and especially like in the Kongo faith in particular felt like my, like this was like the thing I should do <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> and um, in terms of like after ordainment and after becoming like a priestess, um, I felt that uh, even stronger, like you said, like I had a kind of, I didn't have any kind of like, this is it moment or like a revelation. Um, in fact, there was many times I, I wanted to quit actually because, because of, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's the divine path, but of course on the, on the way to that journey, on that journey, there's, there's people and other human beings and, you know, and you, you know, you get into conflict. Like I, I'm not perfect. And, you know, I have my, my biases I had to grow out of, you know, I was young, I had like younger and I had like, you know, my ideas of how things should be done and like conflicts and, and my sensitivities to my past, like all of that gets in there and mixes it up. But I think what gives you clarity and gets you through that is like, you know, understanding like behind all of these human complication messiness is is the divine is coming someone and you know that that helps you keep walking your path and gives you perspective that you know maybe i'm this way and they're that way and we're all our own ways but at the end of the day uh we're both following coming someone we're both trying to practice this this way and that's what that's what really got me through and made me the perspective and the practice made me realize this is something very precious and I wanted to protect it and also help transmit it to other people because of the wisdom I gained from it. I wanted to share that too because I felt it, it made me a better person and still makes me a better person uh, despite all my flaws. Like I, I have like a lot of flaws, but like I keep trying and I can keep trying because of that connection. And, you know, I think that's really important to that grounding. And, um, I think, I think the, the biggest thing about this path, like Kunku faith and Shinto that really called to me, um, was for, for me personally was the, that you help other people, that you listen to their troubles that you try to, you know, get them out of a hard place so they can get back on their own feet, you know. Um, and I feel for me, it's like that because that was my, my past. Like I came out of a really nasty place and a really rough past. And I feel like Kamisma did that for me. So I want to do that for other people too, because I know what it, that's like. And so I feel like for me, that's why I ended up here for now, at least for now. <laughs> like, I don't know where life will take me, but this is like the path I'm on now. And I feel like that's why. Um, 
And I I feel like, yeah, that, that for me, for me personally, but, you know, I, I can imagine all sorts of other ways, uh, like my personal, like ego, to, like ego ideas of where I should be or what I should do kind of is all like turned on its head to what is like important to me at the core to this path. So, yeah. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I I think a lot of people who find themselves in a difficult position in life, like really just that dirty, gritty, grimy aspect that life can tend to have at some points. You know, I, you have really two choices. You have two paths. You can stay in the muck, you can stay down there in the dirt and in the the terribleness of your life, or you can reach out a hand and hope something's going to grab a hold of it and pull you up and out of it. Um, and I'm I'm personally very grateful you did because I have really greatly enjoyed this conversation with you, and I'm grateful that your path has led you to our podcast because I wouldn't have ever been able to talk to you before today. So. I'm very grateful to have you here. Um, Thank you. Everything that you uh, shared with us actually leads me into the question that I had from like a half an hour ago, but that's okay. Um, Can you share with us a day in your life as a Shinto priestess, practices, daily duties, offerings, and keep in mind only share what you're comfortable or able to um, but just kind of walk us through like a normal day for you as a Shinto priestess. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, firstly, thank you so much. I, I am so thankful that we were able to talk and meet too. And, you know, I, I, uh, in Shinto, we call this like Enmusubi or Goen, like the kami bring us together. They tie us together like threads. And I really feel that too. Like I, I feel very humbled and honored. And thank you so much. Well, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Back to uh, to answer your question. Um, so daily life. Um, it really depends on the day. So, for example, a ceremony day will be different than an average day. Uh, but I'll, I'll just say an average day. So, um, my shrine here is like smaller and family run. It's not like a. It's not a huge like big huge. Fancy shrine, <laughs> which I love those shrines, but but because of that, um, I don't have many duties or responsibilities as I would for like a, a big a bigger shrine or a more active shrine where like there's thousands of people. So uh, there's a difference. But basically, uh, for me, I uh, all I do is I wake up, <laughs> you know, I get ready for the day. And I go to, first thing I do is go to the shrine and I pray. And um, sometimes I'll just do like a silent prayer or like a personal, quick little personal prayer. Uh, sometimes I'll also do like a, the chanting prayers, like the traditional ones. And um, you don't, like for, for Shinto, you don't, praying is not about the way you do it or what you say. It's about your heart behind it. So, you know, if I'm feeling like I, I'm feeling more comfortable with silent prayer, I'll do that. And if I feel like I want to do the chanting prayer, I'll do that. So the important thing is your sincere sincerity. Uh, so, so I'll do that. <laughs> and then 
um, I'll just kind of go about the day, like, you know, make sure everything's in order. Um, if, if I'm opening the shrine, uh, after praying, I'll open the doors. Uh, I'll unlock them and open them. And then I go and replace, let's say, the offering of water, which we call Goshinsu. So, you know, you replace the water offering. And then I, I put it back on the altar. And I, I pray to Kamisama. I'll be like, um, please accept the offering of water and thank you for today. And I do the same at the ancestor altar we have. And um, after that, we have like a prayer book on and this place in special Takonko faith called the Okekkai or the place where you do mediation with Kamisama. It's like, um, I can explain later, but Basically, it's like a very special place where you listen to the person's prayers. And, and in the prayer book, the Gokinensho, I'll write down the today's date, like, you know, for the record. And that afterwards, uh, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I just, after that, it's like just, um, you know, doing either like daily chores, like cleaning, if it needs to be done, or just kind of like, like like um, being on standby for worshippers who come, or uh, for me personally, I I go on my computer and I will like answer emails. People have questions or um, do work like that, like work online. Or sometimes I'll have, uh, uh how do I say? It? Like uh, sometimes I'll have online, like online turitsugi. Like what that means is like. Uh, people will, you know, ask to have like a call or a video chat or email or a typing session, like a chat, like an instant messaging where uh, they talk about their problems or their prayers or things going on. And that, that honestly takes most of the day. <laughs> um, so I'm usually doing that for, for my side. So, uh, because I, I'm the only one, uh, uh, well, I'm the only one here who really does like the, the online side. So uh, the other the other members of the shrine and my partner here, uh, they focus on the physical worshippers who come. So they they take care of the worshippers who physically come, and I usually take care of the worshippers who like digitally come. So that takes up most of the day. Um, That's so very after- nice to be able to share the work like that. Oh yes, I'm very thankful. It is. That's wonderful. Yeah, I I I don't know what I would do if I had to manage both. <laughs> I, I would be worried. <laughs> I, I would try. I probably wouldn't sleep, but I would try. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> but um. <laughs> uh, but but uh, but basically, like like for physical worshippers, like not much needs to be done, just to do toritsugi for them or things like that. But if, if someone comes for like a big thing, like it's like a, an important thing or something's going on or they need like a ceremony, then, then I, I will have to go to the shrine and help. So it's that kind of situation. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, the, the day can vary. Like it can be like, you know, you'll never know what will happen, like expect the unexpected. So, you know, uh, sometimes we've had people come here at like two o'clock in the morning, like just like really like in in a really bad place and they just need to come 
and we have to open the shrine. You know, we can't just we don't we don't say like you can't come. You know, like they have to see like Kamisamatsu. We let them in, um, but that's rare, of course. But it happens, so you know you never know what a day will bring. But uh, the day opens like that, and the day ends with same way. Just close the shrine door, uh, lock everything, and then you know close the altar lights and pray to Kamisama at the end. Say like thank you for a nice day, or thank you for the day, and uh, that's about it. So uh, yeah, and and it's the same on ceremony days. But the only difference is that um, uh, I take some extra time to, you know, set up the offerings, like create the offerings, uh, do deep cleaning. So by deep cleaning, I mean like we take down all the altar implements, like the tables, the trays, everything, and wipe them down one by one. Uh, nothing is not not cleaned, and like you know, do like a deep cleaning. And usually we'll do that the day before the ceremony or, you know, two, two or one days before we take everything out and then put it back. So those are the extra work, but otherwise um, it's just mostly attending to the worshipers. So that's the biggest thing. And, uh, uh, you know, also on, on ceremony days, even if no worshiper comes, we still must do the ceremony. So it doesn't matter if, like, not a single person comes. We have to take everything down, clean it all, do the offerings properly. Like, don't you, uh, you can't just be like, oh, no one's coming, so I'm going to make it, like, lazy. Like, you can't do that. Yes. Because it's not, it's not for, it's not to impress people, but it's for Kamisama. So that's why we have to do properly and sincerely. So, yeah. That's basically a kind of day in the life. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. That was that was beautiful. And it and I know it some days it probably isn't, but it to me it sounds very very peaceful in a way. Yes. Um, yeah. so that's I, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing. I, Thank you I so will much. I will point out to our listeners too that the Living with Kami website has some wonderful photos. And I noticed that you also have on there a reading list, um, links for beginners guides, shrines outside of Japan, all kinds of interesting things there. So I, I do encourage everybody to check the website as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so with that being said, is living with Kami the best way to um reach out to you? Are there uh, avenues that you would prefer if somebody is interested in maybe uh, reaching out and talking about uh, like how you said you do most of the internet um, worshipers and people coming to the shrine? Uh, is there a way that people can reach you through that if they were interested in that? Uh, yes. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, basically uh, the best way, the best system that I feel works is uh, definitely um, please contact me at my email first, which is uh, the same, like livingwithkami at gmail.com. So it's very simple there. Um, the reason I do that is because, so years ago, I used to just have it, like you could you can message me or DM me, like on any social media I was on. Um, but the problem is 
twofold was that um, if my phone is notification is going a lot, it's very um, it's very difficult to focus on the other work. Like if I'm doing toritsugi for someone and my phone is going crazy, and like ah, like I can't, I find it hard to focus. And it's not good. It's not right to the person asking for help. So I, what I had to do was um, basically I, I mute everything except for my email. And so the email will always come in first. And then uh, from the email, we can, we can talk and introduce. And then uh, whatever platform you feel comfortable with, uh, we can like schedule a time to talk then or uh, connect that way. So I, I feel like that, that was the way that works easiest for me. That I can not only works easier for me, like, but what I mean is I want to be there properly for everyone who comes. I don't want to like half do it half hearted or be like, like on my phone, like, yeah, like, I don't want to be so like weird like that. Like, I don't, I think that's not right. I feel like that would be insincere. I, I don't want to just like randomly text someone when they're like pouring their heart out to me, you know? I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, so I, I asked them, <laughs> I want to do it right. Like I want to, you know, uh, please email me. Uh, we'll have a time, do it right. We'll make a real connection. You know, I want, and I, not only for me, but for them too. So they can know that I, I'm serious about it. I'm not just like flaky or doing it for some weird reason. Like I, I want to do this for them properly. So it so, sounds like to me your work is a living toritsugi, a oh. living living mitigation. Well, thank you. I mean, I want I want to try to do that one because I I I feel like I feel like when people can connect to Kamisama, they they have that foundation. So like, how do I say like? That's like this. So if you connect to Wi-Fi, you have access to the whole internet. And in the same way, if someone connects to Kamiyo-sama, they have ways. So whenever they're in trouble, even if they can't email me or they can't contact me, they have that connection with Kamiyo-sama that they can turn to Kamiyo-sama if something's going on, you know? So basically, like my my role as Toritsugi mediator is kind of like a like a gym trainer. So like you know you go to the gym and you can do it by yourself, but if you have a trainer, then it, it makes it easier to get into the flow and what works for you. So that's kind of my my duty is not to be like the only connection. Like you can only connect to Kamisama through me. Like no, <laughs> that's not my that's not my job. My job is just to facilitate your own connection with, with divinity, with Kamisama. So you, it's your path to walk and I will help you. So you don't like, if you fall down or like, like you can get up, like you can keep going, you know, but really that's all I'm doing. It's just like being a facilitator between the person and their own connection. But I'm not like, no way, like never, ever, can you ever think as a Tritsugi mediator that you're like their savior 
or something like quote unquote. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's like it, it can get messy that way and scary. And that's one of the screening for becoming a, a priestess, you know, like becoming a mediator. Cause it's very easy for it to get to someone's head. Like, oh, I'm I'm the one helping them. I'm the one making their life better. I'm I'm me, me, me. It's not that. It's I'm just here to guide you, like push you to come some Like not push you, but like just because because you want to connect. I'm here to help you along that way. Mm-hmm. But that's all I'm doing. Like I, like if you're helped by Toritsugi, it's because of Kamisama. <laughs> like not me. Like I don't do anything. I'm just here. Like I'm like I'm like the little like messenger bird. <laughs> like it's, I'm just like tweeting between. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, that's it. <laughs> like that, that's that's all I do. <laughs> I mean, that really should be a, a blanket statement over anybody who takes on the role of priest or priestess or spiritual yeah. leader or whatever you want to call yourself. Like that that's just a blanket statement in general. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well I, I we've had you for a couple hours out of your very busy day, but before we go, I I do want to ask, is there anything that we didn't ask you about that, or maybe something you wish your people knew, a misconception, something that's just coming to your mind that you'd like to talk about? Anything that's, that's you'd like to share that we haven't covered yet? Um, um, I, I feel like, hmm, I guess, so there's just one thing is that, so when, when, if listeners are interested, in Shinto and want to learn more. Um, the one thing I, I want to say is definitely, uh, well, two things. First thing is definitely, uh, understand that there's like a whole cultural nuance and background and history. So, uh, a lot of, um, troubles that happen to people who come into Shinto is that they come in with their, with their original background. So maybe it's Christian or Buddhist. And they apply what they know to Shinto in an effort to understand it. Um, but unfortunately, that leads into many um, misunderstandings and misconceptions. So, for example, like the Kamisama I worship, Tenchikai no Kamisama, um, is kind of like a universal cosmic force and energy. Um, but people who come from a Christian background tend to think of it like God, like G, like capital G God. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> it's completely different. Um, so the kind of just to be aware, like when you enter or research or study, uh, know that all of these things are rooted in their own background. Um, even things like Toritsugi mediation, which is like me, um, or the mediator, um, who's listening to Kamisama and listening to your prayer and trying to bridge that connection. Um, a lot of people might like assume that means like, you know, uh, like a mediator has like special powers or like, you know, they're above other people. <laughs> but like, that's not the case at all. Like, it's truly just like the mediator already had a connection with Kamsama before. And now they're trying, they, they are working and working together with you to bridge what they know and that connection back to you. And honestly, in a lot of cases, like the worshiper, 
even has a stronger connection to Kamisama at times than the mediator, because it all depends on where you are in life and your perspectives and understandings and all these things. So um, just things like that, like when you come into Shinto or you, uh, you kind of get into it, uh, don't go in with preconceived notions or ideas. Just uh, like we said at the beginning, like start from the bottom up and try to understand that way. And of course, you can see connections between your, your own practice and culture and Shinto, but uh, those definitely have to come after the basics. So uh, I, that's what I want to um, emphasize. And uh, one more thing is that I hope people know that um, no matter what they are facing in life, um, no matter what they're going through, uh, they don't. They do not have to carry that burden alone. So whether they rely on their physical family and friends, their ancestors, the deities, or even just like nature itself, um, anything or a combination, I want people to know that they don't have to face anything in life alone. They remember that they have connections everywhere. So. Um, Thank you. That that was so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. We've taken so much of your your valuable time, and we appreciate it so much. Uh, This has been a wonderful conversation, and and I will remember it for a very long time. It has been very nice. Thank you so much. Thank thank you so much. A thousand times more. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to your, your copy and the beings that have gotten you here to us. This has been an amazing journey in just the last two hours. Thank you. Thank you so much. Same, same to you. Too. And, and once again, thank you to all our listeners, our Patreon supporters, the people who share the show, the people who send us messages, just all the love and support we get from our community. Our community is always growing with Every new guest and every new listener, our community grows and it's just so wonderful. And and really, it, it gives us as the host so much. And we hope that we do a good job of sharing that with you, our appreciation, our love, and, and all the things that we learn along the way. And uh, with that, thank you again, Olivia, for joining us. And we'll talk to everybody next time around the fire. <laughs>